like you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Um, If you have been with us for any length of time, really, um, you know that we have been spending quite a bit of time in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. It is the most sequential of the four Gospels. The Gospel, any Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, really tell the story of Jesus, His, his ministry, His life, His teaching. And we're, we're giving a greater focus to the Gospel of Mark and have been and are really very close to the end uh, of this Gospel but we've been looking at this. And so again, it's the, it's the story of, of Jesus' earthly ministry. Of course, his ministry preceded it. We see that in the Old Testament. We, we know that, of course, his ministry follows uh, what's recorded in the Gospels. We see that in the book of Acts. And, and it continues to this day through the power of his Holy Spirit. We know how, what his ministry has done, um, but it's, it's the story of Jesus. Yet, it's also, while it's primarily the, the story of Jesus' earthly ministry, it's also to a large degree, the story of his disciples. It's a story of his disciples, the people that he gathered around him. And, uh, and, and also, as you've perhaps seen, it's not only Jesus' story of his earthly ministry and the disciples' experiences walking with Jesus, but here's, this is really important. I want you to get this, and hopefully you have gotten it over these months that we've been in here, and that is it's also our story. As we, as we read through the, the gospel, any gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, as we read through it, I don't want us simply to go, oh, that's a really wonderful story, an event that happened a long time ago in a far-off place, but rather to say what happened there happens here. What Jesus did then, Jesus does now. The ways that lives were changed In that place and at that time, Jesus changes people's lives today. It's it's not just that story, it's our story. Uh, And I want you to get that. Three years previous to the events of Mark chapter 16, Jesus called his disciples. Over 1,000 days earlier, Jesus had gathered around him these followers, we call them disciples, people who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, ministered alongside Jesus, were sometimes corrected and rebuked by Jesus, instructed by Jesus. He had called his disciples, I'll share more about that in a moment, but he had called them to himself, and uh, now he was about to leave them. Three years earlier, more than three years earlier, he had called them. Now he's about to leave them. Forty days before Mark chapter 16, Jesus had died on that cross. He'd been hung on that cross, not prematurely. It was a part of his plan. He had come to die on that cross to become the sacrifice for our sins. He hung on that cross. We also know that On the third day following, he was raised from the dead. Those were the two most important moments in all of human history. Because in those moments on on the cross and because of the empty grave, we have have victory over sin and we have victory over death. Someone say amen. 
That's what happens. I mean, the, the, we, can't, we can't overestimate the power, the influence of the cross and the empty grave. Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead about 40 years before the events that we're going to read. And, and, and in that, he had accomplished almost everything. He had accomplished almost everything he intended to do during his earthly ministry, but one thing remained, and that is he was going to leave some final instructions to his disciples. So understanding, knowing all of that background, it makes you better appreciate the weight of his words on this occasion. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, reads this way. Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever, Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then he said this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And then following these last words, these last instructions of Jesus' earthly ministry, verse 19 says this, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. We call that the ascension. Now there's a lot there. Just what I read in those four or five verses, there's a tremendous amount of information and we're going to look at that both this week and next week. But following these, these instructions, Jesus, Jesus gives all of this to them. He's giving them his last words, his last words of his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus would continue to speak by his Holy Spirit. He would appear to people. He would, he would speak to us. And he continues to speak to us today through his word, through the power of his Holy Spirit. But these were Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. The last words are important. In verse 15, the first of his last words, I want you to notice, was the word go. You see that there? Verse 15, the first of his last words was that word go. Up there, upper left-hand corner, go, Jesus said, go. Um, that, that word, two-letter word, is actually a word that Jesus used a great deal. Um, if you were to look at the totality of all of Jesus' words, if you have a red-letter Bible, it's even easier to do this, but uh, you will find Jesus used the word go a great deal. I read that uh, in, the book, in the Gospel of Matthew, in fact, there's was like over 150 times Jesus used the word go. That's pretty remarkable. Go. Um, and he would usually use that word uh, to people that he had just taught or people that he had just healed or people that he had set free. Now, that's very important. Let me say that again. He used that word to people that he had just taught, people that he had just healed, or people that he had just delivered or set free. Like in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus said to the paralyzed man that, uh, that had just been healed, he said, get up. 
take your mat and go home. You understand. So he had healed this person. He, he healed him. This man had been paralyzed, you know, all of his life. And then, and then he says, now take up your mat and go. He gives him this action word. He said, go home. He heals them. And then he tells him, to, uh, to go. Or in Mark chapter 5, also here in the gospel of Mark, when Jesus delivered a man from uh, multiple demon spirits, Jesus said to him, go to your people and report all the great things the Lord has done for you. So again, you see the sequence there. He set him free, really just radically changed this man's life. In one moment, he is in torment and bondage to these demonic spirits. The next moment he's set free, and, and after setting him free, Jesus, the first thing he says to him is, go. Go to your people, go to your people and tell them what has happened to you, what the Lord has done for you. So Jesus, again, the sequence is Jesus would teach and then send them out, tell them to go and do something. Or he would heal them, and then tell them to go and do something, or he would deliver them and tell them to go. He would, he would do all of these things, and then he would send them with this word, go. And if you start looking for this, you'll see it a lot as you read through the Gospels. You'll see this. He does something for someone and then sends them out with the word, go. So here's what I get. Here's what I get from that frequently repeated statement or that frequently repeated sequence and that is Jesus changes people and then sends people. That's very important. Jesus changes people and then he sends people. I want you to get a hold of that. He, he transforms them. He takes them where they are. And by the way, he takes people wherever they are. He does not leave them there, but he changes them and then he sends them. The people that he changes, he sends uh, what's interesting, I, I referenced a few moments ago how uh, over a thousand days before this, Jesus had called his disciples. If you were to find the first recorded statement given to a gathering of disciples, it was this word or these words, uh, Jesus was speaking to some of the fishermen. They, that's what they were at the time. They were professional fishermen, that's what they did for a living, around the Sea of Galilee. And he went up to them and he said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. His first instruction, if you were to find the first instruction, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew, to any disciple, you will find him saying the word, come and follow. And now the last instruction you see him starting out here is to go. Again, that's an interesting sequence. Jesus says, you come to me, but it's not just come to me and be with me and, you know, let me teach you and change you, but it's come to me and I am going to send you out. When Jesus began to call those disciples and say, follow me, they didn't know that in time he was going to send them out, but Jesus knew, and this is still how he operates. He, he calls people to himself, he changes them, he teaches them, he transforms them, he delivers them, and then he sends them. Jesus changes people and then sends people. You see, and I've said this before, Jesus transforms people not to make them a trophy on his shelf, but an effective tool in his hand. Now, if you get a hold of that, that's one of the most central, important truths that you will find throughout the New Testament, that Jesus does not change us and transform us 
to make us a trophy on his shelf, but rather an effective tool in his hands. So that means that this command to go that we read about here in in Mark chapter 16, this command to go was not just for a handful of people a long time ago. It's not just for those now 11 disciples that were left. It wasn't just for them. And by the way, this statement here in Mark chapter 16, often it's used only in reference to missionaries, what we call the Great Commission. It's not just for missionaries. This command to go, this calling to go, is for every person who has been changed by the power of God today. You see, you are included in what Jesus said. You are a part, and this is really important, you are a part of Jesus' plan in this statement. The things that Jesus has done in your life. Now, I don't know all of them by any means, but you know, I've known some of you for a long time, and boy, it's just amazing what Jesus has done in some of your lives. The, the ways in which he's healed you, the ways in which he's restored you, the things that he's delivered you from. I mean, some of you that I know, and, and again, I don't know everyone's story. I don't even know a tenth of everyone's story, what he's done in your life. But what I do know is, man, some of you, he has just radically transformed your lives. But he didn't do that to simply say, wow, look at this. You know, here's example A of what I can do. No, he, he did it because... He had a purpose, and that purpose is to, to use you. There, there's, a, there's a song that we used to sing, and I'm really glad we don't sing it anymore. It's not a bad song. It's, um, it's kind of a catchy song. Some of you might remember it. I won't sing it. I won't hurt you in that way, but it, the, the words go like this. He set me free. Yes, he set me free. He broke the, bo- the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound my Savior to see For glory to God, he set me free. Now, all of that is absolutely true. But there's a a message in there or an implication that I don't necessarily like. He does set people free, but in the song it's, he set me free and then I'm glory bound. Here's the thing. He didn't set you free just so that you can be glory bound. He set you free so that you can be used to set other people free and then someday you're going to be glory bound. He did not transform your life to simply make you example A or trophy A on his shelf, but rather in the time that we have, however long that might be, he transforms us to then use us. So when Jesus said to those people, a long time ago in Mark chapter 16, When he said to them, go, it wasn't just for them, it's for you. Because if you have been changed, then you are also one that he wants to send. That's how it works. And then notice also, it says, to those he sent, Jesus said, preach the good news. Preach the good news. That's an interesting statement. Preach the good news. Preach the good news. News. The word preach. The word preach. Um, it, 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 it. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean to stand behind a pulpit and proclaim. That's that's. This is preaching, 
But, but it's, it's much more than that. Preach, very interesting. Preach means to clearly announce or declare the message a king wants his people to know. The Greek word that is used here is in reference to a, a, uh, a declaration by an ambassador or a spokesman for the king. It, it, and, and, and what they did is they would declare, they would show up in a community and they would say something like this, this is what the king says. Or this is what is royal decree, from now on we will. And then he tells them what the king wants. But Jesus uses this word and he said, preach the good news. What I want you to understand is that preach does not simply mean making a statement. And it's not exclusive to only preachers. It means to make a regal declaration. And the word's good news, preach the good news, or in some, some of your translations it may say gospel. Gospel simply means good news. When it says here to preach the good news, it means the good news of Jesus Christ. So in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, in preaching the good news, it means our clear message is that God is our king, wants his people to know the saving and forgiving message of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, in essence, when he said, preach the good news, he's saying, my Father in heaven has given me the authority to tell you that you have a divine commission to go and tell this world from him that I am the message for mankind. I mean, that's pretty powerful. There's all that in that. Yeah, that's actually what that means. It was a royal decree. Go and tell people that I am the way to eternal life. You see, this is why Jesus, though you can find in the Gospels, including in the Gospel of Mark, occasions where he would send his disciples out to speak of the kingdom of God. It was only after his death and his resurrection that he could tell them this, go and tell this world that I am the good news for the world today and it's sent from my Father in heaven. The good news. The good news. Jesus said, preach the good news. Listen to me. There is, there is no other name. We sang it. There is no other name that saves only Jesus. I recognize that what, uh, what I'm saying is not politically correct. I, I recognize that some people would be angry, take offense at these at these words that I'm about to say, and yet I must say them, there is no other way but Jesus. There isn't. There can't be. There are sincere people who, who align themselves with certain teachings or certain beliefs, and they may be very sincere in that, 
And yet it's misguided for there is hope and healing and salvation only in the name of Jesus. There is no other name. The Father declared it. There is only one message and that is the name of Jesus. I don't know the exact number of messages that I have preached in my lifetime. But I've really only ever preached one message in my lifetime. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. Every other message, it it all centers around him. So if Jesus wants to use you in a certain way, there's a message about that. Or if there's a message about your family, or there's a message about your health, or there's a message about um, what we can do for others, or, or if there's a message about deliverance, it really comes down to this. There's, there's really only one message, and that is Jesus Christ. And if we ever stray from that, and I'm not talking just preachers, but all of us. Because remember, again, this is not just given to a select few, but if you have been transformed by Jesus, then you also are included in this. Now, you may never stand behind a pulpit. You may never hold a Bible in your hands and, and declare a sermon, if you will, but I promise you, you will preach if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, you're called to preach. You're called to preach. You're, pro, you're, you're called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Also, please notice in this text how Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You see that there? Preach the good news, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. All the world and all creation. That means that these people and us were and we are to take the message of Jesus Christ to everyone in every place. (laughs) Whenever you see a word that appears two times in a relatively small area, I always notice that. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. You know what that means? That means it's (laughs) all-inclusive. It means everyone. Jesus said (coughs) they were to take the message, the good news, everyone in every place, all the world, all creation, no exceptions. So that means, that means this, quite simply, it means that a person's age or a person's gender or a person's economic status, it it didn't matter then and it doesn't matter now. You don't look at someone and say, hmm, does the gospel apply to them? No, it does apply to them regardless of age or gender or economic status. Jesus said, give this good news to every person in every place. So that means also persons of any color or persons of any language or persons of any ethnicity. No exceptions. Jesus said all. Two times he said all. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Jesus said all. I was with my family a couple days ago. Two of our kids are home right now. 
and, and, and we were looking at some maps, and, and I saw this map, and it had this map, and, and, and it's an old map, and it's a horrible map about, it's not one that I own, it was one that we were looking at on the computer, and there's this old map of how, how some parts of the world at one time, they said, all of these people are subhuman. Only these people in this area are actually human. Everyone else is descended from animals. How horrible that is. Jesus never believed that. Jesus never stated that. Jesus, Jesus knew that his message, his message, his plan of salvation, his way of salvation was for everyone in every place, all the world and all of creation. Again, it doesn't matter a person's color or language or ethnicity. Jesus said all. Persons who had physical or cognitive limitations. Them too, Jesus said. He said all. Persons with any addiction. Persons with any addiction. It doesn't matter how long they'd been addicted to it, what they were addicted to. Jesus said, go to them. Persons with any perversion. Persons with any predilection that, that, that held them in, in some kind of a horrible grip. Jesus said, this gospel is for them as well. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Jesus said, the gospel's for them. Persons with every kind of history who had done anything or had anything done to them, <coughs> it applied to them as well. Jesus said, take it to everyone. Jesus knew. He saw this every day. Think of, think of this. Jesus, <coughs> the Bible says on a number of occasions, he would know what was in someone's heart. He would know what they were experiencing. He would feel their pain like no one else. And Jesus knew that the answer to every problem that he encountered was himself. Jesus saw persons with addictions and perversions, people who had abused and people who had been abused, he had seen it all, and he knew that there was only one answer, and that was himself, to die on that cross, to be raised from the dead. Again, persons with every kind of history who had done anything or who had had anything done to them, it applied to them. On another occasion, Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost, but here he's basically declaring it again. He said that he would change anyone, anywhere. See, this gospel's for anyone because it works for anyone, anywhere. And the day that we start saying, well, the gospel isn't for them, it can't change them, it can't alter them, they're too far gone, they're a hopeless case. The moment we say that, we go against what Jesus is saying here because Jesus said, anyone, anywhere. This gospel works. He also said those who accepted his message and acted upon it, he said they would be eternally saved. He gave hope, but he also brought judgment. He said, and those who reject it would be eternally condemned. If you were here last week, you heard a young missionary. Man, what was she, like five foot nothing? This little gal. This young missionary, what is she, like 28, 29 years old? By the way, She's not just a missionary, now she's one of our, she and her husband are now our missionaries. We, we're, we're supporting them along with about 43 others who are supporting every month. 
If you were here last week and they're, they're missionaries to a, a restricted area. In other words, you're not going to see their names or pictures on our website, even though we support them every month because we don't want it to get out. It could, they could get in trouble. She was up here and she shared her story. And man, what a, what a compelling story. She shared how the good news of Jesus Christ had radically changed her life and she recounted how she'd been abused for years, the, the things that had happened to her. The, and I'm not breaking a confidence. She shared it with, with you. Many of you were here. She shared of, of, of sexual abuse and physical abuse and verbal abuse, really abuse of every kind and, and not just once, twice, but for years, the things that she endured. I, I was quite frankly astounded because, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes we just kind of judge people, you know, we go, ah, here's this little gal, you know, she's going to be a missionary, she probably just grew up in this, you know, perfect situation. She didn't. She grew up in a horrible situation. But that's not what was so compelling. What was so amazing is what Jesus did in her life. I mean, just, I mean, here's this little gal, and we had her and her husband and their little baby girl and and, and, and a bunch of others over to our house, and we heard more of her story. And I was just like, I was just so moved, and I was thanking God again and again. Been this whole week, I've been thanking God for what he's done in, in her life. And here's the thing. I want her story to be other people's story. See, if all we do is, if all we do is we, we say, well, that's really great. I'm really glad it happened to her, but, you know, there's other... No, it, it, it's... I want her story to be someone else's story. She's a great example of, <clears throat> excuse me, what I was talking about earlier, how, how, you know, Jesus doesn't save us, deliver us, and transform us to then just stick us on the shelf. Here's this gal. I'll tell you, it's got to be a little bit tough. Got to be a little bit tough to share that story. Got to be kind of difficult to share what she shared. But she's not saying, you know, ask, she's not trying to elicit pity. She's saying, look what my God can do. And look what my God did. And look what Jesus can do for you. So I, I want her story to be someone else's story. What Jesus did in her I believe Jesus wants to do in people that I know and people that you know. That, that, that what happened in her is not some isolated or unusual or rare occurrence, but rather it is the norm. Jesus changes people. He is good news. How many people do you know? Don't answer this. Don't shout it out. But how many people do, that you know are, that, that are absolutely bound in something and other people have given up on them? Maybe you've given up on them. Somebody that's just been in such bondage for such a long time to something. Boy, I look at that and I say, but yeah, but look what Jesus can do. And I'm saying, oh God, do it again. That's what gets me up in the morning. Again, I know some of your stories and, and I know that, boy, some of you have been just, your life has been radically transformed and I love it. But I'm never satisfied. I'm saying, God, do it again. Talking with someone at the library this week, somebody from this church, talking at the library with them this week, 
some of the things that he's, he and his family are doing now in ministry to, to, to some people. It's just, it's just, it just moved me. And I mean, right there, we're standing at the entrance at the library. And, and, and I mean, I'm just getting choked up listening to my brother and my friend share what, how Jesus is using them. And can't, I didn't take the time to get his permission to share it, but I just, it's happening. That's just one example. Some of you are being used of God to do that, and I'm saying, do it, man. Go, go, go. Tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Because without that message, they're lost. Do you know that there are really only two kinds of people? I'm not talking male and female. I'm not talking about... um, Tall or short, or some of the other shallow things that we. I'm not talking about um, you know, educated or uneducated. Or, I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal. I'm not. I'm not talking about those. those do you know there's really only two kinds of people: people who are in Christ or people who are without Christ. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only two kinds of people: you're either with Jesus or you're without Jesus. That's it. That's it. I mean, in eternity, do, do you really think they're going to have a tall section in heaven? I mean, really? No. What, what, what political affiliation? I'm not saying that those things aren't important. I'm just saying that in, in, in regards to eternity, there's only two kinds of people. You're either with Christ or you're without Christ. So if Jesus saved you, glory to God. Man, we're together. If you're not saved, today's your day. Because all we need to do, it's, it's, it's very simple. We just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive my sins. I can't fix myself, but I believe that what you did on the cross and through the empty tomb can change me. So I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's simple of a prayer. That's simple of a prayer because Jesus did all the work on a cross. That simple prayer makes an eternity of difference. Let me add this. If you're here this morning, you're listening to my voice, and you're a part of AFA, Maybe you've been a part of AFA for just a little time or a long time. But if you're here and you care very little about people coming to Jesus Christ, then you need to change your focus or you need to look for another church. Because it's one of the most important things that we're all about here. And it's going to really annoy you when we keep wanting to lead people to Jesus and working really hard to lead people to Jesus. It's going to really wear on you and you're just going to be miserable. But if seeing lost people saved is really important, glad you're here. These words, these words of Jesus that we sometimes call, and there's more to it, there's the next verse, look at that next week, but these words that we sometimes call Jesus' great commission was not simply for them. It wasn't for those 11 people who were standing around Jesus just before he ascended into heaven. That great commission in 
Mark chapter 16. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 28. The great commission that Jesus gave was not simply for those 11 disciples. It was not simply for missionaries, people who are being called to a far-off land. Because if you think that's what it is, then you've really missed it. The great commission is for people who've been changed by the power of God that he wants to use to change others by the power of God. It's not simply for them. It's for us. People who've been healed, delivered, and set free. I'm going to ask Joni and Kristen to come. We're going to sing that declaration that we sang earlier. It's called, There's No Other Name. This morning, in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand and we're going to sing this. Let me give you these words again, and they're going to be on the screen in just a moment. Your singing moves, the, shakes the ground. Your beckon brings the rain and drought. Your glory spins the earth around. Your whisper makes your fire fall down. It's talking about the enormity of Jesus. Your word commands the winds and the waves. Your touch revives the sick and the lame. Your power wakes the dead again. Your love destroys the grip of sin. All generations, all gener, all, all, there's that word again. All generations will sing of your goodness. All generations will know of your name. All glory and honor will be yours forever. All glory and honor we give to your name. I want every generation to know about Jesus. Listen, some of you are of a generation that is passing away. And I'm including in that. I, I have more years. Statistics show I have more years behind me than ahead of me. And of course, with every year, like you, I'm just, just a little bit older. I'm closer to the end of my life unless Jesus returns. But I'll tell you what, there's a generation coming and there's a generation that's around us right now that still does not know Jesus. And I want them to know about Jesus. There are lost people wherever you go. I want them to know about Jesus. There are people in nursing homes right now. They don't know about Jesus. That's a generation that's almost gone. But God's going to use some of you to reach them. There are some people that you work with. They're, they're a generation, regardless of their age, but they're a generation who, whether they know it or not, they're passing away. <clears throat> they need to know the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? I want us to sing this song, and they're going to lead us in this. <clears throat> excuse me. I want us to really sing this out. I want you to really sing this out. And then uh, I'm going to have a commissioning, if you will. <laughs> I'm not Jesus, you know, you know that. I'm not, I'm not stepping into his role, but I am, I am going to declare, and you're going to declare what he said, the commission that he placed upon us so many years ago, still for today. Lift up your voice, lift up your heart, open yourself up to what God wants to do in you. Let's sing this and then we're going to pray.
set you free. Your word commands the winds and waves. Your touch revives the sick and Destroys the grip of He broke sin. the grip of sin in your life. Yeah. There's no other name. The, the name that, that stands through the ages. There's no other name. There's no other name like yours. for three years who've been transformed in so many ways in so many areas of their life in every area of their life Jesus commissioned them and he told them to go he told them to go to all places and to all people and preach the good news he told them that those who accept that word will live forever will be transformed will, will be with Christ forever and those who reject it will be eternally lost. This morning, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I'd like you to do this. Just bow your heads and I want to, again, commission you. Changing the words slightly, making it a little bit more personal. 
charge you. I charge you with this. You and I are called to go into all of our world and preach the good news to every person. The people that we take this message to who believe in him and who will be baptized, who will act upon their faith, will be saved. Those who reject him, who choose to not follow him, will be condemned. We are called. So Lord, I commission these people in the hours and in the days to come. These who have been transformed will have before them the opportunity to through the power of God transform others. Not in their strength. They don't have it. None of us do. But having experienced you, having been changed by your good news, then, Lord, we will take that, share it with them, and they too will be changed. So, Lord, we take this commission. We take it not as a command for a handful a long time ago in a far-off place, not as a commission for a missionary who's going to another culture. We take it as followers of you. We understand now more than before, we have a holy commission upon us. And so now, Lord, we will be responsible with it. Use us for your glory so that lost people will be saved. Wherever we go, whatever we do, Lord, we are your emissaries. We are declaring what the King has told us to declare. And we take that responsibility very seriously. Now, Lord, as we leave this place under your commission, I pray that you will strengthen and encourage and empower until we gather like this again, Lord, or maybe even this week in your presence. We don't know. But until then, Lord, may we be found telling lost people of you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. God bless you. Go in the power of the Lord. As always, these altars are open. If you'd like to spend some more time with the Lord, prayer, these altars are open. God bless you. Go in the presence of Jesus Christ.
shine.